Everybody, welcome to the Two Peas on a Pod podcast again. Coming at you on a lovely Tuesday morning. Hope you're doing well. Hope we caught you on a good day. Whatever you're doing this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're listening, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Yes, it's Austin Griffiths coming at you today again. Zachary Cordell's not with us. We done told you. Um, he's only going to be with us about half the month for a while because of our traveling schedules. But I do have a special guest with us today. He's a repeat guest. And if you've listened to um, all of our episodes, you'll know that we had a two-part episode um, several episodes ago, quite a while back, on identity crisis with a very good friend of mine, Pastor Todd Hatcher in Hamilton, Ohio. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Brother Austin. It's an honor to be back with you. Thanks for having us. Yes, sir. It's great for to have you back on. We had a pretty good response on the episodes you did with us last time. Thought it was very relevant. Thought it went great. And uh, we've been in the area for just a little while. And uh, I always want an excuse to hang out with you. We've been good friends for so long. So we went to Frisch's Big Boy this morning, got us some breakfast, chit-chatted, and solved all the world's problems for a little bit. And then, as preachers do, and then uh, come over here and try to record some episodes. So we love him coming on. I want to tell you our email and uh, give us some feedback. I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, We was preaching, actually, for a pastor right here in Ohio. And uh, he told us he was a listener. And and so him and his family listened. So we appreciate that. And he said that um, he was going to give some feedback. But he said he felt like a lot of people, we probably get so much that he didn't want to be just another one. Well, let me tell you, we don't get too much. So send us some feedback if you want to, criticism, suggestions, whatever you want, at 2Ps21 at yahoo.com, T-W-O-P-E-A-S-2-1 at yahoo.com. We'd love to have your feedback. You can also find our Instagram page at 2Ps on a pod 21. You can find our announcements and anything there. Try to keep up with everybody, let everybody know what's going on. And uh, But anyway, so we're sitting here with Todd Hatcher, and today's topic, I kind of just left it open to him and uh, trusted that he would have something great to tell us today. And so today's topic, Brother Todd, is you're going to talk to us about having vision, having vision. Now, it's 2022 right now. If you remember back in 2020, that was one of the most common messages, I think, one of the most common titles I've seen all year long. You get online or Mixer or whatever, and they're like, I'm going to preach tonight on 2020 vision. Yeah. I mean, that was so common. But now we're in 2022. And uh, and so just start us off um, about this. It's a very broad topic, first and foremost. And uh, But this is a topic you wanted to address, and we feel like it'll be good. So having vision. All right, yeah. So you said... You said say something great. I just hope I don't say anything too ignorant. That's my main (laughs) goal and objective. But in dealing with uh, such a large subject as vision, there's a lot of things to consider. When you think of vision, it can consist of all kinds of things. You're talking about the will of God and uh, faith and hope, trust, patience, purpose, potential, so on. And all of those things on their own 
are large topics to deal with, but they all feel fit under the umbrella of vision. And so what are we talking about concerning vision? I think that one of the best things uh, to do when you're trying to define what something is is to define what it is not. This is something you see Solomon do over and over again in the poetry books of the Old Testament. He takes and makes and gives contrasting pictures uh, to make one subject, you know, sharpen the point, and it's an effective way to do that. And so the notion of vision is one of those things in my mind, like speaking in tongues is that has been robbed and perverted by the worldly charismatic churches of our day. I mean, you hear about vision all the time. Yeah. And and it's just one of them things, you know, like when somebody asks me, where where do you go to church? And I tell them, well, I pastor Victory Pentecostal Tabernacle. I automatically feel like in some ways I got to go in with that disclaimer. Yeah, we're Pentecostal, but we're not charismatic. We're more conservative we're part of the independent holiness people and and it's kind of the same way with vision is this worldly the worldly church has taken this principle and made it something that god never intended it to be and so when you asked us about doing something i felt like it was a, a relevant topic to address because of that but with that said i i don't want to become so apprehensive about things uh because we should believe in this. So the words like we're saying, vision and potential, and uh, there, there's a couple other words you could think of. They, they take those words and they've ran with them. And so pretty much, you know, you can be be your own thing, claim it, blab it, grab it. And, you know, so the words like vision and potential, and that word potential that, you know, is right. You know, we do, God gives us um talents and has called us and there is a will of god and we do have potential and so i you know i've preached to young people and you have as well that you have potential and that's not a charismatic you know but they've took it and ran with it and sometimes i think some of the things like you said speaking in tongues and this topic of vision and things that we're almost kind of touch it with gloves because of the charismatic like the god wants to bless you you do have potential you know we can have a vision and all of this is biblical Right, absolutely. It's part of that word faith movement, you know, and whatever you say, you, you pretty much are become the power of God, the little God's doctrine that we speak things into existence. We speak our own uh, providence, and, you know, if we just work hard enough, we'll get there. But I, I don't want to become so apprehensive again and, and talking about vision and letting them run with it that we don't we don't believe it for ourselves because in so doing we're robbing ourselves of a wonderful promise for these last days because the word of god tells us that your young men shall see vision but to be clear we're not talking about some practical or or literal or physical vision you know in the sense of eyesight because in every case in scripture a biblical vision is a spiritual vision, period. It is a revelation from God of things to come according to His will. And we shouldn't dumb it down to anything less. And I think that is what we're seeing in the modern-day church. And I don't mean to be so critical of all that because I think that there are some things to speak of there. I'm all, I'm all for having a plan. I'm all for goals and objectives. 
planning for the future. I mean, Jesus said, occupy till I come. But, but the problem is we talk about vision now like it's some kind of vocation. And, and that's, that's the thing that a lot of these modern leadership books and writers are doing. The will of God kind of becomes a business. And, and that's the thing about vision or anything, a revelation from God, the will of God for your life is not a business. You know, the purpose-driven church and so forth, if we are depending on our own insight and foresight, we're not going to go very far. And we're likely going to end up in the ditch because that's what happens when the blind lead the blind. We see through a glass darkly, Scripture said. And and these so-called visions that everybody is propping up to make themselves feel better are about as useful as New Year's resolutions and that's what happens when we're in charge of vision. We, we put up these big ideas and things that we want to do. And this is really Im- important because we have to be able to discern the will of God from our own personal desires. Because it's simply put like this. Our will is not the same as God's will. What we want to do is not necessarily the same as what God wants us to do. And I think this is where a lot of young people, more than anybody, gets frustrated is because they have so much potential. They have, you've heard it said, the old maxim is that your whole life is ahead of you. And, and what we do is we put these young people in a pressure cooker, and, and it's constantly, what are you going to major in? Are you going to go to college? What do you want to do with the rest of your life? When are you going to get married? How many kids do you want to have? And what we're doing is we're training our young people to act on impulse on some of the most important and consequential decisions in their lives. And they formulate this so-called vision that they have been pressurized into. And, you know, they're doing this so that life doesn't pass them by. And inevitably what happens is they end up procrastinating. They... They're miserable and they're frustrated because they're leaning on their own understanding based on a box that somebody put them into in this mold that you've got to do this, that, and the other. And 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 I think that's a dangerous thing. But uh, so uh, in this sense, what happens is people are being led by sight and not by vision. And I know that might kind of sound like a conundrum, but what I mean by that is that when it comes to sight, sight is guided by our circumstances, the things that we see, but vision is guided by our perspective, how we see it. I I think that uh, it reminds me of Helen Keller. Of course, you read history, and we've no doubt all heard of Helen Keller. She was blind, deaf, and mute. And she was able to overcome a lot of adversity just just by deciding that I, I want to do something more than what my handicap dictates that I can do. And, and in her own way, though she could not speak, she found a way to communicate through her hands. And this is what she said in her form of communication. Again, she was blind, deaf, and mute, but she was able to communicate this profound thought. She said, the only thing worse than having no sight is to have sight, but to have no vision. And, and I thought of that with somebody that has the disabilities and the 
afflictions that she has to be able to say something like that. It's amazing to me. I, I read a story once, Gene Edwards, great writer, in my opinion, he wrote a book on stories I love to tell. And he told an account of when he was a young man, he was an exchange student, and they were in Israel visiting the garden tomb. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, of course, that's where some Protestants believe that Jesus was buried and risen from the dead and so forth. But at any rate, Gene Edwards was there and was looking at this and taking it all in, and he had got word that Helen Keller was there, and she was up in years by then. And so he wanted to, you know, communicate with her. Of course, uh, her story was famous, and so he asked her teacher, her guide, if he could speak with her and communicate. Of course, we hear about Miss Sullivan a lot uh, when it comes to Helen Keller. She really took a took a liking to her and helped her through a lot of those disabilities. But she had passed off the scene, and she had another guide at this time. Miss Keller was older in years. But talking about, just thinking about her statement there, that the only thing worse than having no sight is to have sight but have no vision. When they were at this garden tomb, Gene Edwards, they were talking about and communicating about how they felt about all of this. And in her own way, she tapped in her teacher's hand what she was trying to articulate. And Helen Keller, with tears streaming down her blind eyes, she said, there's no darkness here. Talking about the empty tomb, there's no darkness here. And that's amazing to me because she was surrounded by darkness. She was blind. Mm -hmm. When she went, she went to the garden tomb, she said, there's no darkness here. And so I'm convinced that the best thing that can ever happen to some people is for them to go metaphorically blind. You know, we have sight, but we have no vision, just like she was saying there. It's amazing what a blind man can see when he receives a vision. That's exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. Of course, he wasn't Apostle Paul then. Right. We know the bright light shined down and blinded his eyes. But there, there's something in chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verse 12, that just is amazing to me. The Bible says this, Christ was speaking to Ananias, and he said this. Again, remember that Paul was blind. He said, Ananias, go down to the street, which is called Straight, and you know, pray for Paul, because he, or Saul, rather, of Tarsus, because he hath seen a vision. Question now, how does a blind man have a vision? Right? And this is what I'm trying to say is that a vision is spiritual revelation. We we ought not, we ought not be, we ought not be directed by what we see, but we ought to just be directed and put things in in the perspective of God's word. It matters not so much what you see, but how you see it. And so you know, that, tell, that speaks to the fact that we need a vision. Scripture is emphatically clear as to why that is. In Proverbs 29 and 18, the Bible says, Without a vision, the people perish. And when I look at 1 Samuel chapter 3 and 4, it is evidence that this is exactly what happens when we have no vision. The Bible says, in chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord was precious or rare is what that means. The word of God was precious in those days. There was no 
open vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And inevitably what happened is Israel fell into apostasy and they were depending upon the rituals and traditions of religion. And they shouted just like, you know, as other times. Reminds you of Samson. The Spirit of God moved on him at times in the camp of Dan. But he wished not that the Spirit of God had departed. And when you lose your vision, you're losing a lot more than what you think. And so Eli had lost the vision. There was no word from the Lord in those days. But thank God for Samuel. <laughs> right. Thank God for Samuel. And my prayer in this last day, I think it's evident to say that we're struggling in the vision department in this last day. For all the rhetoric and all the things we say and we talk about vision and you need a vision for this and that, I think because we have dumbed it down to such a level where, you know, we get a one-liner, some pithy saying off of Google and it becomes the mantra of our life. And yeah, that may be good. That may be good for a meme, but it's not good for the will of God. If you're finding your purpose off of a one-liner from Google, that's not going to keep you when times get tough. But if you really have a vision, again, a vision is a revelation from God, straight from God concerning His will and what He wants you to do. I don't want to make it less than what God made it. That's always what it was in Scripture. And we need some Samuels in this last day. And my prayer is, God, make me a Samuel. Make me one that has a vision. I don't want to be like that story that every preacher has told. I don't want to be the generation that dropped it. And, and when I was thinking about this, it made, me, it made me think of something. I've heard Brother Tim Brim, Brother Dennis Heath say at different times, and they were quoting Brother Benny Sutherland that uh, uh, preached at Bristow several years ago. Of course, I was honored to sit under Brother Benny um, all the way up until I, I started pastoring here. But he, but he made a comment there, and I heard them quote him, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing no doubt from what they said, but it stuck out to me as well. And he said, the worst thing that can ever happen to a movement is for a generation to carry the vision who has never seen it. And I'm here today as a recipient of, of men that have blazed the trail and handed us this vision. And Brother Austin, I don't want to be the generation that drops this. Right. We've been given a high and holy estate and to carry the Word of God. And I'm just going to tell you how I feel. Our feet ain't big enough for the footprints that have been left before us. They're just, you know, when I look at some of these guys, and I don't want to start calling names because there's so many men that are just great men of God. And when I look at myself and and I say, man, my feet ain't big enough to feel these footprints. I believe it was Brother Lord Shoecraft that said one time, God is bigger than the shoes that you have to fill. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something. That's why we need a vision. We need to have a revelation from God. We can't, we can't afford to relegate our churches to, you know, just little businesses and the pastors or the CEOs. Man, Christ is still the head of the church. And if we ever lose sight of Him, we're in trouble. And, and, and it's, you know, our talent is not enough. Our, our three points in a poem are not enough. Our resources are not enough. And we don't need new programs. We don't need new preachers. I'll tell you what we need. We just need a fresh vision. I really believe that. I didn't say new. I just said fresh. Just like Isaiah. 
when, when everything in chapter 6, there was a lot going on. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. He had a fresh vision, and it put in perspective everything around him. That's what we need in these last days. We need a fresh vision. And to have God. a vision, you've got to first have a burden. Sure. You're going to have to have a burden for whatever you're doing, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, a lay preacher, uh, pastor, assistant pastor, evangelist, whether you're a lay member, you know, we're not just speaking of the ministry. And I like what one preacher had told me a while back. He said, if you're saved, you're in the ministry. He said, no, you might not be a pastor and evangelist. You may not be a full-time pastor, you know, living off the church salary, pastoring a church. He said, you might be working a job to support your ministry. He -hmm. said, but you're in the ministry. If you're saved, you're called to minister, you're right. you're called to win the lost. You know you can win people at your job that I can't because I don't work there. Right, I can't clock in at your job. You know I can't go here. I can't go there. And so we've got to have a burden. We've got to have a vision. And uh, I like what um, brother Bruce Cole said one time. He came to our church and he said that he knew our church was right on the inside because it was right on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I never forgot that. And I have seen that to be true. In my life, in a lot of places, if you go somewhere and the outside of the church is falling apart and the grass is two foot tall mm-hmm. and there's cobwebs in the corner and just, you know, the ceiling's falling down and, you know, I don't want to just yada, 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 just I'm just randomly saying things. There's no burden. You know, a lot of those things don't take a bunch of money. A lot of them just take some work. You know, it don't cost a bunch of money to mow grass, but just a burden. And I don't want to get on a hobby horse here or a rabbit trail or whatever you call it, but a burden. If we're going to have a vision of what where God's going to take us, right. and I know you well enough to know you have a vision for this church. You've got things that we've talked about and we've not talked about that you have a vision for what you want this church to be because you have a vision for your church. I have a vision for my ministry because that's when you have a burden for something, you're always going to want to strive. You're never just going to arrive to where it needs. You're always going to want to go greater. Right. You're always want to going to go higher. You're always want to going to have a deeper vision. And I think the closer you get to God, and the more burden God puts on you, the greater your vision is going to be. Right. Yeah. A burden is the bedrock of a vision, and it, that's what'll keep you when times get tough. And and I want to get into that. You touched on something. Uh, that I want to get into in just a, just a minute here. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, no, that's great. I love it. I love the discourse of this. And it, 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 it reveals that it speaks to the need of our day. And so when, when we're talking about needing a vision, there's a blessing in a vision. Man, this isn't just some cheap thing. And that's what I'm trying to say. And I don't know if I've been able to articulate it the way I feel it in my own spirit is that I don't want to dumb this thing down like it's no big deal to have a vision. Everybody has a vision. Right. No, no. This is a real revelation from it's God concerning His will. Spiritual. That He wants exactly. Something to really pray for. Right. Fast for. And that's the blessing of it is the greatest thing about vision is if it's truly a vision, it came from God. I mean, that's simple, yeah. but it came from God. That's what makes and, it so great. And two pastors in two different churches, for example, are going to have different visions. Sure. Because if they're from God, you know, not everybody's gonna. Everybody wants souls to get saved. Right. That's a what do you, a widespread vision. That is the gospel. I mean, right. that's 
the general. point of being a Christian, you know, is that we're to spread the gospel. We live for God, make it to heaven. Well, we want to take everybody with us. I mean, the vision is to get people saved. Right. And that's speaking to the general versus the specific will of God. Right. The word of God revealed is that general will of God that we, you know, and I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail here either, but you hear a lot a lot of people talk about, oh, what's the will of will of God for my life, preacher? I need God to speak to me. It's like, how much do you read your Bible? Live the general. Right. Live the general, and if you live the general, God will reveal the specific. Right. And so that's that's a great point about vision. You can't expect for God to show you yes. that specific detailed will if you're neglecting right. Right, exactly. the rest. There, there's a blessing in a vision because it came from God. I love what F.B. Meyer said in context of that. He said, I unhesitatingly assert that where God gives a plan, he stands surety for the result. I love that. And that we don't hear the word surety very much in the modern day English language, but what that is is it's a cosigner. You you see that a lot in the book of Proverbs, you know, a cosigner and things. And God and what he was saying there is if God gives a plan, then he's the cosigner on that thing. Just like one preacher said, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Because God doesn't just show you a thing and then make you fend for yourself. If if God gave you a vision, he put his name on that. He will stand by it for his name's sake. He magnifies his word above his name. And so when he puts his word and his name on something, you better believe he stands by the results of it. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And this is this is where you know you had brought up and, and this is where I wanted to get and tying this together is, yes, we need a vision. There's a blessing in the vision, but there are challenges to the vision. First of all, because if it's from God, the devil sure don't like it. He don't want to see God's will come to fruition. And so just because God gives you a vision doesn't mean there won't be any challenges. For one thing, I want to say this, he doesn't just give visions to anybody he doesn't just give visions to everybody. Certainly, he's willing to reveal him himself, his will to anybody that comes unto God by him. But, but there's some people that can't handle a revelation from God, and so it's it's really a special thing. Again, that's what, what what's happening here is we've dumbed it down in, in our church culture today, and, and I think that's a shame. But when God gives a man a vision. And you alluded to this, Brother Austin, but he doesn't show him all the details and how that vision will come to pass. The classic example, of course, is Abraham. When God spoke to him and said, get out of your country, from your kindred, get out of your father's house and get in, go into a land that I will show you. Now do what? You want me to leave everything I know, everything that I'm accustomed to, you just want me to go and could you at least tell me where, you know, go into a land that I'll show you? And so God doesn't always give us the details. Been, Abraham gave another example. I've been there a few times. Oh, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure we could all share battle scars about, you know, the, life the, will, the, the will of God and the how life we're pursuing the, it. You the know. life of the question mark. Right, right. <laughs> Abraham, you know, it happened again. He said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, into a mountain that I'll show you. So again, he's just saying, just do what I say, 
and I'll reveal it to you as you go. And so the question is this, what do you do when the vision seems vague? You know it's God. You know God's spoken to you. You know he's given you a vision, but it's just vague. It seems vague. Well, let me tell you something. If if the vision that God gives you, you can put together and you can make it all up in your mind, then it's probably not from God. It's probably and that's why I said it's so important to discern the difference between what God wants you to do and what you want to do because you can get overzealous you can outrun God you get the right. you get the cart before the horse there or like you know as a you get the ark before the cart you know and uh, you put you end up putting your hands on things that God doesn't want you to put your hand on and you'll pay a price for that I'll tell you right now so we want to rein ourselves in to what God has said about it. When God gives a man a vision, he doesn't show us all the details. So what do we do when the vision seems vague and we know it's from God? What do we do? Because it's hard on us. We're obsessed with the destination. We want to get there. When God shows us something, we want to get there. But God is a lot more interested in the journey then he is, he'll show us the destination, but he's interested in the journey. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Though the vision tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And that's the hardest thing about a vision is, again, God doesn't show you all the details. Right. He might show you where you're going, but he don't show you how you're going to get there. Waiting. <laughs> Waiting is the hardest work of hope, speaking of waiting. And this is absolutely contrary to our impulsive microwave natures that wants it now. But God wants to develop us. And I love what one man said. He said, when God tells you to go without giving you the details, it's not to disorient you. It's to develop you. And so when God... When God says or asks of you something that doesn't make sense right now, just know that a vision is to teach us on trusting. It's not to disorient us. It's to develop us. And the thing about the will of God is, and a vision, it's too big for us. And we love details. We love to have all the answers. But the, the point is, God's glasses are too big to fit on our heads. Omniscience doesn't fit in our brains. His ways are higher than our ways is all I'm trying to say. God's glasses don't fit on our head. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So there are challenges to vision, and I would be remiss if I didn't tell you that there will also come doubters and detractors to the vision. Man, if it, if any if if it's from God, you can expect opposition because there's principalities and powers that we're striving against. But if it's truly from God, it doesn't matter what anybody says. Remember in the storm that night, Peter was the only one to hear, O ye of little faith, why why therefore did you doubt? But he was also the only one to walk on water too. So there will always be somebody to talk about it. And one guy said, regardless of the sinking times, 
I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. <laughs> That's pretty I thought good. that was good because man, there's always somebody to criticize the guy sinking in the water. Yeah. But it's easy to it's easy to criticize from the boat and you're still dry. Yeah. The boat should have been empty. Exactly. You can't walk on water unless you first step out of the boat. And so you can expect disappointments to come. Because again, yes, God gave us the vision, but we don't we don't know the details of the destination. It's a development. It's a it's a trust me as I teach you, and we'll walk together. And so we face some things that are unexpected and unknown. It there can be disappointments because when we have when we get this vision from God, we start formulating in our mind all these things. All right, because we want to be proactive. We don't want to. I like what John G. Butler said. I believe it was Butler that said, providence doesn't wait on procrastination. And I really do believe that God has a perfect will. Yes. And But we also he's also given us a will. And it's our job to make our will align with his. Of course, right. there's no greater evidence of that than the Son of God himself. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine. And I so, like what one writer, one writer said. I can't remember who it was. But say when you throw, if you're on a boat and you throw an anchor to the shore, does the shore come to the boat or does the boat go to the shore? Mm-hmm. And it said that you are not aligning the will of God with you, right. but rather we are throwing out the anchor to align our will with his. Absolutely. And, and that can be the challenging thing about it sometimes is is we don't always understand what God is doing and sometimes disappointments come because of the unexpected. But just remember this, that it may be unknown and unexpected to you, but God knew about it. When he gave you a vision, he took all of that into consideration. Disappointment will come. I read this story about Thomas Edison, and I'll, I'll wrap this up with this. But Thomas Edison was a 67-year-old man when his research plant caught fire. And his son Charles wrote a book about him, a biography about his father, Thomas Edison. And and in this fire, Charles Edison got worried because he couldn't find he couldn't find his dad. He couldn't find Thomas Edison anywhere. And so finally he ran into him. And to his surprise, Thomas Edison, he was like, Man, go get your mom. Go go find her. You'll never see another fire like this again. <laughs> In other words, man, he had some major perspective on this. His life's work was being burnt to a crisp. And he's like, man, go get your mom. Watch this fire. You're not never going to see anything else like this again. And his son wrote in this biography, here's what he did. The next day, Thomas Edison called a meeting for all of his employees. And instead of coming all discouraged and, and downtrodden, disheartened, he announced his plans to rebuild let him know he was working on getting a crane scheduled. And so by the time he got done with the meeting, this is what amazed me. Uh, Charles wrote that he said, in conclusion to the meeting, he said, oh, by the way, does anybody know where we can get some money? So he was uh, what, he was already planning on rebuilding. He's like, oh, by the way, does anybody got any money? What, you know? And, and with that, he promptly grabbed a pillow, curled up on a table, and immediately fell asleep. That's somebody that has their emotions regulated. That's somebody that's got it in perspective that there's going to be things that I don't understand, but I can't change the things that I can't help. It's out of my control, but it's never out of God's control. 
And so we can't allow disappointment to derail us from our dream or from our vision that God has given us. If it's if God's in it, calm down and enjoy the journey because he stands surety for the result. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. And so in closing, I'll say this. When it comes to a vision from God, get in there and do your part. Yeah. Do what God requires of you. Put some feet to your vision. And as one man said it, you do the natural and trust God for the super. If you want to see supernatural, you do the natural part. God will control everything. It may not happen overnight. Exactly. You may have to... Though it tarry. Yeah, though it tarry, wait for <laughs> it. For it will surely come. It's an appointed time. Only God knows the exact appointment and when it will all come to fruition but he never sends you on a journey by accident. So thank you, Brother Austin. I've enjoyed talking about this subject. Yes, have a vision. Wait, in in some ways, wait your turn. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, whatever you're doing in your church and say you're wanting to be the first string instrumentalist or you're wanting to be the number one lay, first string, if you're wanting to be the number one lay preacher or if you're wanting to be this or that, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. You know, wait your turn. Right. God will promote you in due time. Right. You know, the worst thing that's ever happened for some people is being promoted. Oh, yes. Beyond their experience. Right. Or beyond being, their integrity. Or yeah, being promoted character. beyond their their prayer life or being promoted beyond their burden. Yes, sir. You know, being right. put somewhere where they really didn't have right. a burden or whatever, and it's destroyed lives. People are backslid today. Absolutely. Because they were promoted too fast. I heard I heard Brother Roger Payton say one time, and I've never forgot it. He said, you might have somebody to pull the strings for you in ministry, but do you have the character not to trip over it? Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That, that's and, and I think of the scripture there, I think it's in Samuel, you know, they were... There was the messenger men. Of course, we don't have drones, and there wasn't all this technology. They didn't have it, rather, back then. And they had messenger men. And uh, there was one, there was the prophet spoke to him and said, You'll not bear tidings today, but you will. And I'm paraphrasing that. And that's, that's what we need to keep in perspective is, is you may not do this today, but you will do what you know you need to do now. Yeah. And God will do what you know He can do later. Yeah, well, a lot of times God's looking for us to be faithful, right, and have a burden in the small things, Absolutely. in order for Him to be able to trust us with the big things. Absolutely. And if we can't have a burden to, or have a vision to work right. for our pastor when He tells us to pick up the trash or, you know, clean the walls or help in meeting, and you're like, well, you know, I really gotta. Man, I, I really got a vision to do this or that. Well, that's great. You keep that, but keep doing what you're called to do right now. Right. And as you do that, God will bring you later. God will bring you further. So God wants to see us faithful in what we're doing now. And so if you're a teacher, teach your heart out. Have a burden for it. That's one thing. Absolutely. We, you know, I always think when I think of having a burden, I always think of our congregational leader at home. She gets under a burden. And uh, I know we've talked about this some on the podcast, but just being a singer in church, right. you know, have a vision for your ministry. Yeah. You know, go home and pray, get under a burden, and you can get up and sing the will of God and set your pastor up. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen it happen countless times. Right. And just having a vision for you personally. Do yes, it all heartily. You, you want to have one for your church. You want to have one for your youth group. You want to have one for for you know your life, your family. Right. But individually, right. the bedrock, like you said, of it is the burden. Right. Despise not the day of the small thing. Small right. beginnings, Scripture says. Exactly. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'm sure we could go on forever. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Austin. It's always a pleasure. Yep. I appreciate you coming on, talking to us about having a vision and being on a guest with us again. I like having you on. We'll probably have you on again. <laughs> Thank you, Brother. God bless you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast today. And uh, you can send us some feedback if you like. We sure appreciate it. Hope you keep on listening, and we'll see you later. When this race of life I've run, the Lord says to me, my child, well done. There will be no regrets for me. I'll be